Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Through 25 seasons, hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. I am here surrounded by my team that produces this great show every day. Many of them have been with me 10, 15, 20 years. Some may look familiar if you've been watching season 25, Oprah Behind the Scenes on OWN, our show where we actually pull the curtain back to show you what it takes to put this show on the air day after day after year after year. Okay, so today the folks up here are gonna give you the real story on some of their biggest and most memorable shows. Like when we gave an entire studio audience those cars, remember that? Oh my goodness, what went into that? And that flash mob surprise in the middle of Chicago, it may have looked perfect. But as you're going to hear, there were a few kerfluffles and some nail-biting moments along the way. So let's start with the highest rated show of the past five years. I didn't even know this. I just said backstage oh when I was God. reading this copy. I said, what was the highest rated show? Okay, the highest rated show of the past five years when I reveal that I have a long lost sister. Four months after 47-year-old Patricia began searching for her birth mother, she stumbled upon a jaw-dropping discovery. I said, no. I said, that can't be. This single mother from Milwaukee found out her birth mother is my mother, Bernita Lee, making Patricia my half-sister who I never even knew. I had no idea that my mother had given up a baby in 1963. I was nine years old at the time, living with my father in Nashville, and didn't even know my mother was pregnant. I grew up uh, for four and a half years with two half-siblings, Pat and Jeffrey. Jeffrey died in 1989, and Pat died in 2003. So imagine my shock just a few months ago. I found out that I have another sister living just 90 minutes away in Milwaukee. My sister Patricia is here. Come on out, Patricia. <laughs> what is so remarkable to me about this story, and it's gonna make me cry, so just be patient. 
since I have been a person known in the public, there have been few times where you can bring anybody new into your life and not have that person in some way betray you or use you or take advantage of you. What is so extraordinary about Patricia and Andre and Aquarius is that they have known this secret since 2007. She never once thought to go to the press. She never once thought to sell this story. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. the producer of that show. It was a very complicated story to tell and obviously a very personal one for me. I'd say it was one of the best kept secrets in Harpo history. <laughs> Only a handful of people in the entire company knew what was going on. So how did you find out about it? Well, when we were in Australia, our executive producer, Sherry Salata, uh -huh. said, I want to tell you about your next show. And I said, okay, what is it? And she goes, well, I can't tell you. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so then she said, I'll call you over Christmas break, which is odd, you know what I mean? I thought that was a little weird. So she called me and she told me and I about fell out of my chair. I was mm. like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Like a real, real sister. Not yeah, like sister a real girl. girl. Like, not like, like sister a real girl. sister. Yeah. And she said, yeah. And she said, but this is what I need you to do. You cannot say a thing. So when I got back to work, we kind of powwowed, tried to figure out how to keep the secret. I could only clue in Stacey Strazes, who's on my team. And she and I went to Milwaukee to shoot with all the players in the story for three days. But I didn't even tell the rest of my team here, Ray, Rick, and Dana, and Jessica. I didn't even tell them. And the reason is because we obviously didn't want it to get out before. No. Yeah, yeah. Not that you all would tell anybody. Right, right. Right. But somebody you knew, you might tell somebody. So that was the real reason. Yeah. And so then you went to, to Milwaukee and were with my family for? Several days. Mm -hmm. And first off, when Candy said, there's something big we need you to work on, and I'm like, oh, did Oprah get OJ? Is it Prince William and Kate? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Quick guessing, you're never going to guess it. Never. No. And the same thing, and, and I was, very curious about you know who this sister was. And when I met her, I was so happy for you. Yeah. She was such a pure, pure person. And it was such an honor to go yeah. be with your family and tell such a personal story, which was not only important to you, but to her as well. Yeah, I would say that, you know, people ask me all the time online, you know, how's your sister, how's your sister? And I would say that the image of the person that you saw the way she presented herself on camera, that's exactly who she Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Exactly who she is. Well, I, I didn't even tell my mom. Even after the show taped. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. I, yeah. But after Wait, the show taped. You didn't taped, tell nobody. Oh, no, 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 no. When the no, entire no, no. audience it, it, no, was, no. it was so buttoned up around here. You know, we were locking the edit room doors. It was, was a cloak and dagger operation. There were secret oh, okay. knocks. Yeah, secret knocks. All of paper over all the windows so no one could yeah. see it. We locked the tapes in my office at night. So you're a 15-year veteran of this show. You, you practically became a woman 
during this show. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I mean, no, you started out, you weren't married, you I didn't have married, children. I wasn't married, I didn't have kids, yeah. Yeah. So what has been some of your favorite moments? I've had a ton, mm -hmm. but this is a really fun one. Was uh, There was this, this guy named Jake who had won Star Search. Uh-huh. And Oh, um, that's my, oh, I love Is that, that not the best ever? Oh, oh, my gosh. So this kid won Star Search, so he thought he was coming to sing the song that he sang on Star Search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder was the song that he sang. Yeah. Love Stevie Wonder. So we get this kid here. We do all this fake stuff. We get yeah. him out. This is one of my favorite moments. He has no idea moments. Stevie is standing there. We are in the control room. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing and he's singing, and then all of a sudden the audience sees Stevie and they start applauding, and he thinks it's about he him. He that good, right? Yes. And then he turns out, oh, that's one of my favorite moments, also. <laughs> oh gosh, that is great. So good. Hands down for me, my biggest celebrity moment here at Harpo was when I got to shoot with the handsome Hugh oh, Jackman God. in his hometown of Sydney. One of the most memorable moments of the day was when he decided he wanted to take me up into a tiny seaplane to see Sydney from the sky. I was terrified, and he could tell, so he decided to start singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow to me. I sat back, decided to enjoy it, and thought, if I'm going to go down, at least I'm going down with you, Jackman. One of the celebrity moments that I will never forget was with John Travolta. John Travolta was promoting his fire film, Ladder 49. We were going to go and surprise two real-life firefighters. I planned this shootout to a T. I had synchronized watches, and we had charts and graphs and maps and code words and all kinds of things to ensure that nothing could possibly go wrong. I had thought of every single thing except for one, a real fire. The moment that we walked up to surprise the firefighters, the Garage doors went up and the alarms went off and fire trucks started flying out of the place. And we just stand there on the streets of Detroit and wait for them all to come back. And eventually they do, but uh, it certainly was a heart-beating moment. <laughs> I never heard that story. I never heard that story. That's pretty funny. That is pretty well, funny. The best part was that he flew us back from Detroit on his plane, so that yeah. made up for everything. But yeah. that moment was... My favorite team in television is up here with me today, spilling the beans on what really went on behind the scenes of some of our most memorable shows. They've booked everyone from Olympic athletes to elephants and hometown heroes to presidents. One of the biggest challenges in the past 25 years was figuring out how to make this moment happen in the middle of Michigan Avenue. That was so cool. Suzanne Hayward, Jenna Kostelnik, Amy Coleman, Jill Berensic, and Tracy Carter and Ann Lofgren were a part of the team who pulled off that ginormous, it was a surprise to me. It came off without a hitch, Suzanne. Uh, not really. <laughs> First of all, it was a completely insane idea. Over 20,000 people doing the same dance at the same exact time. Uh-huh. Our co-executive producer at the time, Lisa Erspommer, was her idea. Yeah. And to pull it off, we had to find 1,500 people who were willing to give up two days of their lives, 
not get paid to teach thousands of people to dance and because we wanted it to be a surprise for you. But why did you all want it to be a surprise for me? Because the reaction on your face is one of my favorite yeah. moments yeah. ever. Yes. When everybody starts jumping and then you start jumping, yeah. we are backstage and we are jumping and we're like, <laughs> we did it. It was just. Jenna, were there, was it nerve wracking for you? It was nerve wracking because we had to kind of become city planners. We were asked to go in front of, I don't know, 50 police officers, city planners, explain our plan. We didn't really have a plan. <laughs> What's your evacuation plan? Yes. Fire lanes. Where's your fire lanes? How many porta potties are you going to have? You know, we shut down Michigan Avenue for mm -hmm. more than two days, which yeah. caused us, you know, a, a lot of anxiety. Now, I, I would think you guys, because um, I think everybody who watches our show regularly knows this, that years ago, I was surprised with Mary Tyler Moore on the show, and I went into the ugly cry, and then I put a ban forever on all surprises. So were you a little anxious trying to surprise Surprise me. Well, that was actually one of my biggest concerns. And, and I think what we all sort of had to surrender to was what you tell us all the time is what is your intention? Yeah. And um, our intention was love, you know? I mean, we wanted it to be a huge love song to you. It was a love song to Chicago. It just, and when you watch that, you just, you feel complete and total love. I know. Love. And it, it, so it worked, but yes. When I you still watch it. I know. Yes, yes. yes. And that yeah. one guy who was on our show who was in the middle of it called it Joy Rising. Yeah, and Joy it, it Rising. Was joy Rising, overflowing. I mean, we were all in the back hugging, crying. It really is one of the most incredible producing moments I've ever had. Good job, guys. Really good job. Good pull-off. Jackie and I were the producers on the show, um, Where to Find Eligible Single Guys Over 35. Oh my God, and I was 35 <laughs> we were, at the time, we were and both single, oh, sign oh me up. Our job was to um, search America to find eligible men over 35. <laughs> It was like Christmas and Valentine's Day and New Year's Monica. and Mardi Gras. All of it wrapped in one big happy basket. You need us to work 23 hours out of the day to find these guys, we got you. We're that committed. We were all over it. I was like, all right, anybody over 6'4", black and Christian, I'll pre-interview yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> and we had a whole board where we tacked people's pictures up. He's cute, he's kind of sexy. All of our single co-workers, like, <laughs> they were all in our business. I think stop by and checked out our bulletin board with We all were our... like eHarmony and Match.com. I think I'm a people in love with him, actually. So that show was uh, four years ago, and uh, in that time, well, Jackie's gotten married. But I'm still single, so, you know, if anybody knows where the men over 35 are now, let me know. That's nice. And let me say this, Oprah, if anything comes out of this, everybody in the audience gets a car. <laughs> uh, a lot of my producers grew up in the 70s and have a soft spot for the Osmond family. Three years ago, they had the brilliant idea, these guys did, of inviting the entire Osmond clan, all 126 of them, to our show. We did it. The Osmond clan descends on the Salt Lake City Airport. I think there was 125 Osmonds or something like that. I didn't know I had that many relatives. The only woman who could take this on is Oprah because she can move mountains. And right now she's moving Utah to Chicago. Osmond, 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 Osmond! During the flight, a little rehearsal time, 
a few naps, some dirty diapers, and minor meltdowns. The next day, 126 Osmonds stormed our stage. Come on out, Osmond family! we take that show, the patriarch of the Osmond family, Donnie and Marie's father, George, passed away at the age of 90. So Tara Montgomery was the lead producer on that show. You all thought, we all thought, right, the Osmonds were gonna cancel. We all thought we were gonna, uh, they were gonna cancel, and Katie Davis was my supervisor, my guiding force through that um, fun show. And um, Donnie called me and said, um, Tara, we're all coming. Wow. And I've never so been was on your stunned. team? Um, Amanda and Sarah and Melinda were on my team, and Ann Gelfer was on my team in the time, and... That would um, be Melinda Morrison, Amanda Cash, yes. and Sarah Sharpe. <laughs> yes. yes. So, the Osmonds, you know, they were so phenomenal to work with. Donnie was, Donnie was basically co-producer of that show. And um, for them to all come, and they delayed the memorial service. They did not have a memorial service for their father because they were so committed to this show, all coming together and celebrating their families. Now, I was just, the other day, I can't remember, one of the crew guys said to me, when we were just talking about this, said, nicest group of people you ever dealt with. Uh, you know, I've worked here 16 years. I've worked with every celebrity that you can think of, and there is no doubt in my mind, who is the nicest celebrity? Donny Osmond and his family. Not one complaint. Not, Not one, one complaint. complaint. Yeah. Not one. Beautiful. That's lovely, amazing. Lovely people, lovely people. So what was the best part of working on that show? Well, it was hilarious going through, just getting them here. Security, they saw them coming, over 100 of them. They all looked the same. Brown hair, brown yeah, eyes, yeah. big blazing teeth. They kept, they kept looking down, looking back up, looking down. I was like, yep, we're all going. We're yeah. all going. Still got to go through security. So, But just, just the kindness, and they would sing and laugh and dance. So they were really celebrating mm -hmm. their family um, on the plane when they got here. Did so you fly with them on the plane, yes. or did you, Amanda? Yes. Linda did. Linda, Linda Amanda did. Um, was Command Central. It was sort of like <laughs> storming the beach at Normandy, and we had a color-coded system. And then at one point she came in my office. She's like, I've created a color-coded system, but everybody's last name is Osmond. I and they all look exactly the same, and I can't get it straight. I, like, I think there were like four Matthews, five Anns. I couldn't keep them all track. It was very, I jumped in spreadsheets, basically. One of the most memorable projects that I ever worked on here at the Oprah Show was uh, Bernadette Robinson. She had three children of her own, and then she took in her seven nieces and nephews. They were all living in a really small apartment, and they were sleeping three people to a bed. She had really um, put aside her own desires, her own needs, her own wants to take care of these children. It's one of the most selfless acts I've ever heard of. We decided, well, let's give these kids a shopping spree at Toys R Us. And then after they had all these toys, we thought, oh my gosh, well, where are they gonna put them all? We are buying you a house! It was one of my proudest moments, not just as an Oprah show producer, but just as a human being. Jim McLaren is a guest that I'll never forget. When he was 22 years old, he was riding his motorcycle and was hit by a bus. His leg is amputated, but he decides this isn't gonna end me. He fought through it. He started running again. He started exercising again. Eight years later, he was training for a triathlon, and he was hit by a truck. 
With his second accident, he was paralyzed. He told me that he saw both accidents as a gift because he said it wasn't until that second accident that he realized what was really important in life. Meeting Jim taught me why it's important to be positive, and he also taught me that anything is possible. So, you've heard me say it, I do have the best team in television, and uh, we're all chatting it up today. My producers tell me there are two questions they get asked the most. Number one, what's Oprah really like? <laughs> and number two, how do I get tickets to favorite things? <laughs> right? Okay. That is the truth. That is true. All right, so this year, because it was our last, I decided to do not one, but two favorite things shows. As you can imagine, it took a village and not a small one to pull off uh, all of that. And these are the villagers. <laughs> the villagers. <laughs> Jill Berantic, Jennifer Stelnick, Carolyn Ziv, and her team. So it was... Uh, it was an undertaking. It was. Yeah. Wasn't it? What, what, don't you think it was better, though, that I said, let's do two and try to, instead of trying to cram it all in one? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you said it, we were all like, yes. Yes. Double the fun, double the surprise. I was going to say better. Better for who? Yeah. Better for who? <laughs> so over the years. <laughs> I did. Better for the viewers. Oh. <laughs> the viewers. So the way it all started is whenever I find something I really like, I want to share it with everybody. And so since I have a show, I can do that. Um, so that's how it started. And then we decided to do a full show. And then it became sort of a franchise for us. Well, and legendary. Yeah. Which is why everybody wants tickets. Wanted tickets. Yeah, and can I clarify that thing about the tickets? Because I know my relatives are watching, and it was nothing personal that they were not invited to the show. <laughs> but the fact is producers cannot get family members or friends in the favorite things audiences. Yeah. There was a hard and fast rule that if you knew the person, you can't even, I remember one year, Gail had invited somebody who knew somebody. You can't even know somebody who knows somebody and get into the, the favorite thing show. So let's talk about this gargantuan task this year. Well, the two teams, as you can see them here, um, found out that it was gonna be two shows, which means Twice the fun, twice the joy, as Brian was referring, twice, <laughs> twice, twice the work. The work. <laughs> um, no. And the real reason I wanted two shows was, first of all, there were a lot of things that I wanted people to be able to benefit from them. And then I love the idea <laughs> of having the first audience leaving and then everybody seeing them with their bags <laughs> and being so upset that you got the second show. <laughs> That was going to be about kitchen appliances and meditation. <laughs> that was Oprah's idea. It was my idea. Oh, and, idea. Uh, and, and I wanted perfectly. to, and it worked perfectly. It perfectly. But it's but, like, how do you raise the bar? How do you raise on, the bar on, on such that? a big show? First like of all, that, it's an organizational hassle because those things are coming in. They start coming in what a couple of weeks before. Oh, months, oh, months before. before. Yeah. And the planning yeah. starts really in September. Uh -huh. And the amount of details that go in that show, I think people's heads would pop off if they realized. Yeah. Not only figuring out, you know, putting the presentation for you so you can pick it, every detail on how they're revealed on the set, those sets are so complicated. It's not just, oh, you know, here's my favorite tea. It comes down a spiral or it pops up or a yeah. how ballerina are you gonna show turns it, it How's it going to be presented in a way that's interesting? Oh, yeah. yeah. Tara Denise, yeah. the team, they, they outdid themselves. Tara Denise. 
Denise. Tara Denise and her team outdid themselves because I just learned this year, we've yeah. been doing it for 10 years, I just learned this year that every single one of those boxes on the set was hand wrapped it, in fabric. Get this, yeah. wait, get this. this get is, this. this. <laughs> the, yeah. the icing for that gingerbread house was real icing. Yeah. So you could literally, if you wanted to, not that we would, you could really, you could, you could. That's what I love about this team is that, you know, love, we, you know, our motto is love is in the details. And if you wrap them in paper, then the paper would reflect the light and it would look too shiny. Mm. So to hand wrap every one of those gifts in fabric. And you can't, you can't hire any outside work because it's all a secret. So right. when the 350 pallets of things show up, we have to unpack them. We have to count them. We have to put them yeah. in the bags. I have to say, that was that is really a funny moment between all of us, the unpacking. Brian spearheads it. And we have an assembly line, and some people are slower than others. And I like pack. to talk while I pack. <laughs> no, 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 no. He likes to talk, but this is, she doesn't like to stop. So she's at the end yeah. of the assembly So you guys are unpacking so and stuff. So we're running a line. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And it is literally, it takes us hours like into the night and by the end our hands are bloody we're gross there's no brian still there. yelling at us <laughs> but there was twenty thousand things to stuff into these bags yeah. in two days with like about 15 of us in a garage oh so you yeah. guys are actually putting the things oh, into yeah. the yeah. bag yeah, yeah. 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 the audience takes home they walk home with the bag look <laughs> How did I think they get in there? I thought there were elves. <laughs> there you're elves. You're the elves, okay, this year. Oh my God, that is a lot of work. You had elves doing that. Balding, fat, 40-year-old elves right here. Here's the inside poop from one of my producers, Jack Morey, inside poop. For the four or five years that Dr. Oz was our regular on The Oprah Show, I was his producer. And uh, one of the first times he was on, he started talking to me about poop, the color, the consistency, and the shape. I've never seen a guy so enthusiastic about poop. It should hit the water like a diver from Acapulco hits the water. <laughs> S-shaped poop made it into the lexicon of American public. TV Guide said it was one of the top 10 moments on The Oprah Show, and I became known as the poop producer. I went to a family reunion, and I hadn't seen some of my relatives like in 10 years, including one cousin. And she comes up to me, and she's like, oh my god, why is my poop not S-shaped? And I said, you haven't seen me in 10 years. I, I got married, had kids. That's the first question you want to ask me? <laughs> I was extremely lucky to be a part of our Christmas kindness when we went over to South Africa and through these huge parties for the AIDS orphans over there. I thought I'm gonna be there in the responsibility role, making sure everything gets done, and I end up in a fairy princess costume. It started out as a joke, and then when my boss Katie saw me in it, she said, you have to wear it. I was really nervous about how it would look, but all of that apprehension just melted away when I saw that I could make this such a magical day for them. It ended up being one of the most profound experiences of my life. I did a shoot with a woman named Christine McFadden, and um, her ex-husband murdered all four of her children while she was out on her daily morning walk, and she came home to find them that they had all been shot. And, you know, it was obviously a very tough shoot, and we did the shoot in the home where it happened. 
you know, the whole intention of the show was that she survived this and, and her message reached out to a lot of people on the show, but it meant even more to me than just that. Christine gave me a picture of her children and for the last six years, I've carried that picture in my wallet every single day of my life. And, you know, the idea of why I carried the picture was to remind me not to sweat the small stuff. Because, you know, if Christine could survive this, I could get through anything. And I think so can anyone. Wow. That was... You know, I remember when we did that show, when we did Christine the first time, I could literally feel that people who were watching that show that day and had thought to end their lives, I could sense it, that people who had thought to end their lives changed their minds watching her that day. It, yeah. it carries me mm -hmm. through the day. It really does. She's doing better now. She had twins. She's gotten remarried and had twins, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Doing better. Um, here's a question a viewer sent to us via Facebook. What's the toughest assignment you've ever had? I'm going to start with you, Jen. Um, I think one of the hardest things we have to do as producers mm -hmm. is talking to people who've recently lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. And about five years ago, I had to talk to a mother whose little girl had been abducted and brutally murdered. And at the time, I was nine months pregnant. And the pregnancy hormones were raging anyway, and you're very emotional anyway, and I was trying so hard to keep it together and listen to her story, but it was just so heartbreaking, and I couldn't, and I lost it, and I couldn't even speak to her. And I was crying so hard, and I had to apologize and explain to her, you know, I'm so sorry, I was just a wreck. We ended up kind of having a good cry together, and I'm still in touch with her today, and I think about her often. And yeah. Do you all stay in touch with the people that you... You do? That's really good. Rita is a senior field producer, and good Lord, have you been here since I've been here? <laughs> not, not quite that long. I've been here about 16 years. 16 years, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite shoot? Well, I've had many great shoots, but my favorite is the Colonial House shoot that I did with you and Gail. <laughs> where <laughs> you time-traveled back into the 1600s. <laughs> yep. We shot it on location somewhere in the backwoods of Maine. Mm -hmm. And uh, you two had to dress up like colonists. And you were shocked to find out that the women back in that time did not wear underwear. Yes, I was. <laughs> Who, who knew? <laughs> um, you had to stay in this fly-infested house, and I yeah. do mean fly-infested house, with no electricity, no indoor plumbing. Um, I think somebody gave you a couple of leaves to, as a substitute for yeah. toilet tissue. But uh, that, that was a great shoot. I'll... I would just like to say we should all, as women people, be grateful for the panty man and the bra man. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever invented those, thank you. The best part of what I do as Oprah's Book Club producer is to actually meet writers I have read and admired my whole life. I remember when I first met Toni Morrison. I mean, I've been reading her since I was in high school. And I, I just couldn't believe I was going to be in her presence. And she was couldn't have been more warm and inviting and like, how are you? It's so nice to meet you. And I thought, oh my god, Toni Morrison said it was nice to meet me. It's really incredible. I mean, to see these people who write about the things we care about, and they teach us things every day through what they do, and we get to 
share them on television. And one of the things that's really been incredible is the number of famous faces that you never knew were huge book club readers, like Kelsey Grammer, Charlize Theron, Jim Carrey, Alicia Keys, and um, even President Bill Clinton. One of my favorites uh, was from 1994. It was a show where we played practical jokes on viewers and we recorded all of it with a hidden camera. So we created this fake promo for a fake show that we were calling Beauty Shop Horror Stories. I tried this new product called Sir Richard's Five Minute Facial. Remember that name? Because I'm going to sue him. It turned my forehead green. And then we got the cooperation of a local beauty salon. I was wondering if you'd be interested in a face show. Yeah. And they allowed us to run the promo in their uh, TV monitors while some of their clients let us apply this fake facial product to them. It turned my forehead green, and then the salon girl says to me, oh, don't worry, it'll wash out in a week. Look at this. Whoa! I actually got recognized on the street for probably another year or so. People would say, have I seen you? Did you have the green stuff? It was kind of cool. That's great. It's during our practical joke days. David Rivera, Phil produced one of our biggest interviews this season with Michael Jackson's mother and children. Wasn't Mrs. Jackson the most adorable, loveliest human being you've ever met? She was so wonderful. She was, I wanted her to be my grandma. Yeah, yeah she just was amazing. Now, what surprised you about that shoot? <sighs> Just the Jackson world. Like, you walk in and, and there's these big statues and busts and, and pieces of art with Michael Jackson everywhere. It's like stepping into uh, this alternate universe where everything is Jackson's. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lisa Moran supervised the road trip Gail and I took across the country a few years ago. What was your favorite moment? Well, as producers, we try to create moments. Yeah. And um, one that stands out in my mind, I was, sub I was back home. I was seven and a half months pregnant with my third. But Brian Petrovich, Jack Mori, Lee Castelli, Alex, and Ray Dutch were on the road with you. And I was in communication with I them constantly. I remember them. <laughs> <laughs> this day, you had driven 12 hours in the car. Yes. Oh, this and is one of my favorite. Well, and, and I, I was with Ann Lofgren, my sister. I was back in Chicago trying to figure out something to do. Uh huh. So I said to Ann, can you just start looking somewhere in Arizona, because we knew you were headed there, and find some sort of roadside attraction that's kind of kitschy and crazy? <laughs> Ann found it. And when you saw the wigwam in the teepee motel, your reaction was one of my favorite authentic <laughs> moments. Yes, because my, my reaction was, you think I'm sleeping here? <laughs> Let's go into my wigwam. Okay. Oh, no. I am not going to be able to sleep in here. And the reason is, no windows. I will need windows. <laughs> Over there is a window. Wait a second. That's where the TV is. Oh, oh, there it is. There's a window. Thanks, Gail. Wake up at 8 o'clock, wigwam one. And may I just say for the record, if you are looking for a wigwam right. uh, motel. motel then that is a perfect, perfect place, place for to you. go. <laughs> authentic and rustic. Yes, if you're looking for an authentic wigwam, that's the place to go. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Best team in TV. Thank you. 
I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.